Point Bear Down. Bears fans, it's time for another edition of the Chicago Bears podcast, Bears Band, powered by Windy City Gridiron and SB Nation. Bill Zimmerman with you, and, and all right, after a week off, I am back, I am excited, and we've got a lot to talk about. Lester Wildfong, the big boss man at Windy City Gridiron, he is going to be by here in a little bit. A lot to get to with Lester. We're going to talk Nagy. We're going to talk Pace. We're going to talk Fields. We're going to talk O-Line. We are going to get into it all with Lester. So that coming up here in a little bit. Looking forward to that. But first, just, you know, when I talk about a few things here, get them, get them off my mind. Didn't do a podcast last week. No real developments other than the Bears winning football games again. And look, he, this is the Matt Nagy signature. This, this this is it. This is what Matt Nagy does. We have seen it now. Forget 2018. Let's, let's kind of put that away as an anomaly year at this point. 2019, 2020, and 2021. Go look at the, the, the game by game. You're looking at something almost identical. Each year, Nagy got off to a pretty good start. Each year, pretty good start. Even this year. Remember, the Bears were three and two. Three and two, this team was. Can you believe it? And then what happens? Mid-season, there is a major slump. Four, five, six, you know, massive losing streak. Massive losing streak. And suddenly the Bears are behind the eight ball and they have to scramble a little bit. And usually in December and in the first part of January, little uptick. Few games won at the end of the year, you know, eight and eight the last two years. Last year was good enough to sneak in the playoffs. This year, I actually think they're going to beat the Vikings. We'll get into it a little bit more at the end of the podcast, but I think this team's looking at seven and 10, so slightly worse than they were the last couple of years, but this is what the Matt Nagy Chicago Bears are. This is a team that will win some games they shouldn't, lose, lose some games they shouldn't, and finish right around 500. Matt Nagy does some things horribly wrong. Matt Nagy also does some things that are okay, and because of that, Matt Nagy's teams end up around 500. Like, and, and let's look at it. You know, everyone wants to say that the defense and Vic Fangio bailed out Matt Nagy. It's the only reason there was there was anything good. Okay, fine. So we're putting 12 and 4 aside. Matt Nagy still finished 8 and 8 for two straight years and, and now potentially 7 and 10. So this is Matt Nagy. He makes a messy offense. You know, he keeps the players, the players play for him. I know plenty of people on Twitter wanted to say that this team quit and he's lost the locker room. Not that, none of that is true. Don't, don't pay any attention to that. Does Matt Nagy have problems? Sure. Has, is Matt Nagy's message, you know, souring on some players because they know they're out of the playoffs and they haven't seen the success since they've been here, especially players that weren't here in 2018. So they, they don't know what the good is like. Like a Jalen Johnson, sure. You know, have have you ever been in a place of business where every employee likes the boss? No, that doesn't happen. So it's not like every player is going to love Matt Nagy and you know lay in front of traffic for him. But Matt Nagy has kept this team together through all the mess that this season is, and he's got them winning games at the end of the year. That does not mean he should be retained. I saw Brad Spielberger from PFF even throw out there that if Matt Nagy wins again, that this three-game win streak should keep his job, should save his job. I hope to God that's not true. I, I believe as little as George McCaskey knows about football, he knows that he cannot continue forward with Matt Nagy. Now, I also wish that George McCaskey would understand that he cannot move forward with Ryan Pace, but that seems to be a different argument altogether and one that 
Bears fans may not be getting the result they they want to see. I know there was some momentum kind of in early December. Lance Briggs and Olin Cruz kind of threw out this, this rumor about, you know, Trace Armstrong, you know, potentially going in. Who, who knows if there's any potential to that being true? You know, I ha- haven't really heard much with that. That hasn't picked up too much since then. But, you know, the bottom line here is when you look at Ryan Pace, George McCaskey should not be using the end of this season to evaluate Ryan Pace. George McCaskey needs to evaluate Ryan Pace based on his seven years in Chicago. Whether or not they beat the Vikings and finish seven and 10 should have zero impact on what you're evaluating about Ryan Pace. I don't know if George is considering that stuff or not, but I I can tell you it doesn't matter. Ryan Pace's job is to win football games, to put together a roster and bring in a coach that's going to win football games for the city of Chicago. He hasn't done that. One winning season in seven years doesn't cut it. And I can sit here and I can talk about plenty of reasons why Ryan Pace should be retained. I can talk about some of the free agent signings he's had over the years. Hakeem Hicks, Allen Robinson, Robert Quinn now with the year he's had this year. Danny Trevathan, that extension was a bad idea, but Danny Trevathan, several good years in Chicago. There's plenty of free agents that he's, he's brought in. He's drafted well. His first round, I don't think it looks so bad. I know a lot of Bears fans want to crush him for the first round. Kevin White, bust. Is it completely Ryan Pace's fault that the guy basically had three season-ending injuries in a, in a row? I, I don't necessarily think so, but regardless, even when Ryan, uh, even when Kevin White was on the field, I don't know if he was ever going to become that elite special talent you know, before injuries derailed him. So that's, that's, a, that's a bust, absolutely. Leonard Floyd, I'm not crushing that Leonard Floyd pick. I've never crushed that Leonard Floyd pick. Leonard Floyd was drafted to become an elite pass rusher, which he never did. He became a pretty good one, but nothing spectacular. But Leonard Floyd developed into a real solid football player, one who can set the edge in the running game, one who can drop back into coverage, and one who can get some pressure on the quarterback when, when called upon. He's a well-rounded good player, and he's proven that with the Rams once the Bears let him go. So that Leonard Floyd pick, I'm not knocking that pick. I was totally fine with that pick. Trubisky, and that's where Ryan Pace really derailed, that Trubisky pick. Process was bad. He never talked to Deshaun Watson. He traded up and gave more picks away that he didn't necessarily have to. Now, again, if Mitch Trubisky turned out to be Steve Young, no one would be complaining about those picks he gave up to guarantee that he'd get his guy. But the fact is he went out to get his guy, and his guy wasn't the guy. Roquan Smith, great. Two first-round picks for Khalil Mack. Justin Fields. I'm not that against what he's done in the first round. Mid-round gems, plenty of them. Jordan Howard, Adrian Amos, Larry Borum, potentially. Bilal Nichols, Tariq Cohen, Eddie Jackson. Like, that, that list goes on and on, what he's been able to do in, like, the fourth and fifth round. Khalil Herbert in the sixth round now. Like, there are plenty of really good draft choices that Ryan Pace has made. But the bottom line is Ryan Pace is supposed to win football games. That's what he's supposed to do. Give him a break those first couple of years, he didn't inherit much of a roster. But Ryan Pace is supposed to win football games, and he hasn't done it. That's the bottom line, end of story, period. And it doesn't matter about the hits he's had when what the other things he's done, specifically with how what his process is in the draft, are the reasons he needs to be fired. 
And that process, the failed process he has in the draft is a massive trickle down through the entire, through his entire tenure. And, and, and let me explain this. All right. So what does Ryan Pace do in the draft? Ryan Pace constantly trades up. So when you're evaluating Ryan Pace's selections, you need to evaluate them based on what they were. Like David Montgomery is, is, is a good pick. I'm not denying that. But David Montgomery isn't just a third round pick because they traded up to get David Montgomery. So David Montgomery, now again, was he worth it? Potentially he was. But David Montgomery was worth multiple mid-round picks. That's the issue with what Ryan Pace does is he always tra he keeps trading up to get his guys. So what he's doing is he's not leaving himself with enough picks. The easy answer on that, and, it, and it's part of that answer, is that it leaves him without depth because he doesn't have enough third, fourth, fifth, sixth round picks to have backups and people ready at, at the position where when you don't have enough cap space and you need to let someone go that you have a quality second or third year player who's ready to step in and start. The Bears don't have a lot of that because the Bears don't have enough draft picks. So what happens? Not having enough draft picks creates depth issues and it creates holes. So what do you have to do? You have to go to free agency to fill the depth and fill the holes. So you have to spend, instead of getting rookie contract deals and guys making a few hundred thousand dollars a year, now you're signing veterans to one year, $2 million deals and million and a half dollar deals. And you're eating up a little bit of your cap space there. And on top of that, a lot of those veterans are available in May and June for a reason because they're not quite as good. And then what else are you gonna do? Now you're starting to fill up your cap space. So when you decide you have other people like Jimmy Graham, now you've gotta kick Jimmy Graham's salary into the future because that's the only way you're gonna get him to fit. So now you have depth issues because you don't have enough draft picks. You try and fill them up with salary cap, uh, with, with veterans. Then you don't have enough money to keep the other players you want. So you have to start kicking money like Danny Trevathan and Jimmy Graham's money into the future, eating up future cap space. It spirals to the point that you get this season's Chicago Bears, where you simply just have too many holes. You don't have a CB2. You don't have a nickel. You don't have a lot of depth at the safety position. You didn't have someone opposite Roquan Smith who could really handle the position. Alec Ogletree has done okay, but he cannot cover. He is not good in pass coverage. You just don't have the, the people. Wide receiver, when, when Allen Robinson's injured and having an offseason, you got Darnell Mooney and you've got you know, Marquise Goodwin and Burt. You, you don't have enough depth at wide receiver. You don't have enough depth at these positions. And you affect the salary cap space. And I understand everyone's like, oh, the Bears got $40 million in salary cap space next year. The Bears barely have anyone under roster next year. They got like 20, 25 guys under roster. They have to basically sign half the roster back. They don't have, they have issues. And the issues really, when you look at why these issues exist, they exist because Ryan Pace trades up in the draft all the time. And he doesn't have enough swings at draft picks. And he, it creates depth problems. It creates holes. He has to go to free agency. He pumps money into the future because he has to go to free agency. And he's created a mess. That's why Ryan Pace needs to go. He's created a mess. He's only had one winning season. And while there are several things he's good at, the things he's not good at have affected the team way more negatively uh, than the good things he has that have affected the team positively. That's why Pace needs to go. 
Maggie, let's hope, is definitely gone. But, you know, you know, and I, I've said this on Twitter, this is not an official report. I am not reporting that Ryan Pace is returning. Don't take this for anything more than it is. But when I get an opportunity to talk to people around the league, the NFL is a gossip league. They talk. When you go to places like the NFL Combine, they talk. When you're at the Super Bowl at Radio Row and at some of these Super Bowl events, they talk. There are rumors. You hear things. It's fun. I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to lie. It's fun. And then you get to know people and people talk. Nobody is talking about Ryan Pace getting fired. Now, George is very tight-lipped. We know George is tight-lipped. He doesn't like spreading rumors like this. But the bottom line is, you know, not Schefter, not not. Rap, not Glazer, not, you know, no one locally, not Biggs. Nobody is hearing that Ryan Pace is out. And when there's no smoke, there is usually no fire. So we'll, we'll find out next week what's going on with Nagy and Pace. If I had to guess right now, Nagy is out and Pace is back. I know people want to hope for a reassignment. Look, maybe that happens. Maybe Pace it fails up and is promoted to, to president of football ops and they bring in a new GM. Maybe Pace is reassigned. I don't know, but I think Ryan Pace is, will be continued to have his salary paid by the Chicago Bears in the future, and it looks like it's going to be a GM. We'll see here. This next week is going to be really interesting, but right now there is no there's smoke around Nagy. There has been smoke around Nagy basically since Thanksgiving. There is no smoke around Ryan Pace. All right, when we return... Lester Wiltfong, Big Boss Man at Windy City Gridiron. This is Bears Banter. Bill Zimmerman will be right back. All right. Welcome back into the podcast. And always have this guy on once a year because otherwise I may not have a podcast on Windy City Gridiron anymore. He is Lester Wiltfong, the Big Boss Man at Windy City Gridiron. Does a great job. Sack watch. Knows his O-line well. Always fun to talk to him. Lester, how you doing today? Doing good, Bill. How about you? I'm hanging in there. Doing okay. Let's start with you know, this, a, a tweet basically from, from Brad Spielberger of PFF, kind of a friend of Windy City Gridiron Bears fan. We all, we all know him really well. Brad kind of made mention that these last two wins could have an impact on the future, not just of Ryan Pace, but of Matt Nagy. Now it seems like Matt Nagy is out the door, but what is the idea? <laughs> what do you, what's your reaction to hearing that meaningless wins against Seattle and the Giants may make an impact in decision making? You know, I did see that tweet when I saw that, you know, because I, I know Brad a little bit and, you know, he, he does have some stuff he hears. And, you know, my initial thought was, yeah, that's that's George McCaskey. I mean, that's exactly what's going on with the Bears. I mean, it would not surprise me. I mean, I really think that Matt Nagy's gone. You know, I, I really, I, you just got to think after what happened last year, the way the whole, the whole off season went, how they had the big uh, uh, collaboration press conferences. And, you know, this season was a losing record. I think I, I got to think Nagy's gone for sure, but, but, but nothing was surprising with George McCaskey. I mean, this is, this is, this is what he's been doing since he's been in charge. He just, you know, he, there is no, we talk a lot about a football a football guy. There is no football guy checking George. George doesn't know what he's doing half the time. So, I, so it would not surprise me. I, I hope it's not the case, but it would not surprise me. Yeah. Look, yeah, it does. It doesn't surprise me either. And, you know, I don't, again, the, the Ryan pace thing, we're, we're going to get into that. And, you know, Brad Biggs has had some comments recently as well, which kind of 
are a little illuminating on that. But I mean, honestly, since we had the great 2018, we're seeing every season is identical with, with, with Matt Nagy. And this one's a little worse, but 2019, 20 and 21, they get off to a pretty good start. They have a massive slump in the middle of the season where they lose four or five, six games in a row. And then they recover a little bit at the end of the year and, and scrape together a near 500 record. Now, if they win end of this year, it's, it's seven and 10, it's below 500, but it, it's in essence, it's the same thing of this like end of the year recovery to, to mediocrity. And like, you know, and I know George likes to evaluate in the moment, which is just the absolute wrong thing to do. Uh, when you look at the, if you just eliminate 2018 and, and I know George won't because he's sitting there going, if that kick goes through, then who knows what happens. But if you eliminate 2018, the 2019, 2020 and 2021 Chicago bears are basically identical every season. It's been all downhill since, since that, that night. And that, that season was great. That was a fun season. You know, Mitch was slinging it every now and again, the offense was clicking a little bit. I mean, it's funny. We, we talk about that, that, that season. And I think the offensive DVA, DVOA was only like 20, 21, 22. So we're still not talking a good offense. It, it was right. just serviceable because the defense was so phenomenal and the offense did just enough to, to give the defense some rest. S- since that time, the offense has, has gone backwards. You know, there's been no, no, no involvement. You know, there has, we've never seen the Matt Nagy version 2.0. You know, we've never seen Matt Nagy be able to, to bend what he wants to do to his talent around him. It's just the same old, same old Matt Nagy and enough's got to be enough at some point. And if, if George McCaskey's not going to pull the trigger after seeing his team, you know, three straight years of, like you said, mediocrity, when, when will he ever? Yeah. And, you know, I just kind of thought of this, just kind of a, a, a random side note that 2018 team, I think when we pull back and look at this era of bears football, 10, 15, 20 years from now, that is going to kind of stick out as an anomaly. Yeah. That's going to be that Dick Duran Chicago Bears 13 and three season where, you know, you sit there and go, well, if Jim Miller didn't get, if yeah. Hugh Douglas didn't hurt Jim Miller, because the Bears were up 14 13, I believe at the time in that playoff game against the Eagles, ironically enough. Um, you, you, you just say, well, maybe what else? Because that was another team where the ball just kept bouncing their way. I kind of think those two seasons are almost going to live in parallel of this, like where everything went right in one season, but the body of work around those seasons just didn't live up to it. Exactly. Uh, there was just a video of, about the double doink from SB Nation. I just shared it on the site uh, yesterday. I watched that video and it's painful because there were a lot of what if moments in that season. And then, of course, in the playoffs, some more what if moments. And you know, like I said, this is when you look back on this era, this Matt Nagy era, you know, that season probably shouldn't happen when you think about it, because it just had a perfect storm of things to go right that year. Since then, we've seen the real Matt Nagy. We've seen the real offense. And, you know, frankly, it's just if, like I said, if, if George does not see the big picture and make a change, then there's something really wrong in the organization. I know there's been some rumors that he's had some, some guys talking to him, some consultants, you know, but at some point he's got to make a decision and say, Hey, look, I'm going to put this guy in charge and I'm going to step back because, because George does not know football. I mean, he, he may know the business side of things or some other stuff. He does not know the X's and O's. He does not know how to, how to build an organization of a football team. At some point, he's got to, and if, it, if it's pace, oh, I hope it's not pace, but whoever it is, he's got to hire a guy, step back, let him do whatever he wants to the Bears, and then sink or swim. Yeah. 
and, and and I'm with you. I, I do think Nagy's gone. And, and I, if they beat Minnesota, which I think there's a pretty good chance that they, they yeah. could, because uh, Minnesota's not going in the right direction either. They beat Minnesota and finish on a three-game winning streak, and somehow George convinces himself that that's the reason to bring back Matt Nagy. I, oh. I just, you know, I'll just use the meme from the Hudsucker proxy where the guy just throws himself out the window because you're just there's no hope for the organization. But I do think he's gone. So under that premise that he's gone, let's let's move on to his boss, and that's Ryan Pace, because you know I try and push out any information I have, which you know I do get from time to time, and you know I sent out a tweet you know earlier in the week that basically just said. I haven't heard anything about Ryan Pace because I don't think anyone's really heard anything about Ryan Pace. And then, and then Brad Biggs comes out with an article that kind of says, kind of says the similar thing that, you know, league circles, there's just not a lot of, you know, smoke, so to speak, that that Pace is on his way out and then set, and cited a source that said he thought it was a little better than 50, 50 paces back. And now says he thinks it's even better than that. So we're trending towards Ryan Pace staying. I know there's, you know, we'll, we'll find out after this Vikings game, but you know, there's definitely not a concrete Ryan Pace is out. Do you think there's hope? Is there, is there anything that you'd be comfortable with the bears doing this off season, keeping Ryan Pace in charge where you'd feel good about the team? I think if, Ryan Pace is still the GM and you're bringing a, a team president above him to kind of check him. I'd be okay with that. I mean, there are some aspects of Ryan Pace's job that he does very well. You know, he, he is a pretty good drafter in some aspects. I don't like his process all the time. You know, the, his free agency moves, while some of them are, are ridiculous here, he really, you know, he doesn't really let the market come to him. He's had some other guys where he's got guys like, like Hicks, you know, early on uh, blacks in this last year, he gets these low level guys that really pan out for him. So he does some parts of his job. Well, he just doesn't do enough. Well, in order for me to keep him around, if I was in charge, but I think if you have a guy above him, a, a team prez, kind of like a, like a, like, like the Cubs model from a few years back, you know, or if you bring in a head coach that has the power, a final roster decision that is, you know, basically like a Sean, like a Sean Payton guy. If he comes in with, 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 with supreme power and it's basically his call on the roster, I'd be okay with that as well. But, but ultimately Ryan Pace has just not been good enough. He, he's, he's good. But again, you talk about the, the franchise has been, has been real, very mediocre. You cannot reward that with, you know, continued support of a guy who just can't get everything right. It's like, Yes, you're good here, you're good here, but you're bad here, you're bad here. That's at best he's average at best. And average is not good enough in the National Football League. Yeah, I, I think that that's a good way to put it. I was having a conversation with with someone yesterday that was kind of a, a pace naggy supporter, wasn't like adamant, but was like, I, I think they're okay. I'm like, okay, you want to say they're okay. Like, let's let's again, even if you look, if you include 2018, I mean, this is basically still a group, you know, a head coach and GM, that's mediocre. You know, if you eliminate 2018, they're three games or four games below 500. If you keep 2018, they're three or four games above 500. They're proving as a duo that they are mediocre. Mediocre doesn't work. You don't extend mediocrity. And, and, and that's why I, I'm with you. I, I think they need to move on. I don't know if George is going to be moving on from pace. And, you know, 
And I, I agree with you. He has done some things right. Fourth, fifth round gems, there's there's plenty of, absolutely. I don't think the first round record is as bad as a lot of people think it is. Yeah. You know, I'm a big field supporter. Roquan is great. Leonard Floyd, you know, wasn't the pass rusher he was supposed to be. But it was I a was good always, draft pick. I he's was a good, always, he's a supporter he's a good, of Leonard yeah, he, yeah. he whiffed on Mitch. He whiffed on uh, Kevin White. So, you know, he's, he's not perfect. But And you brought up Akeem Hicks. You know, someone told me a long time ago, the thing that's interesting about Bill Belichick is he never loses guys that he wants to keep. If Bill Belichick wants to keep them on the roster, Bill Belichick keeps those players on the roster. And it was very interesting to me because Bill Belichick wanted to keep a key yeah. picks and Ryan Pace out hustled and got Bill Belichick. He, he got, he got the, he got Hicks. Belichick wanted to keep him and Pace pulled him away from the Patriots. And I don't think a lot of people realize the magnitude of that happening, that, that Pace was able to do that. So he's done a lot of good things. But when you look at the, the full scale of his, you know, I was actually talking to someone, someone this morning. Evaluating Ryan Pace and evaluating Mitch Trubisky when he was in Chicago are really similar. You can pinpoint some great things. You can pinpoint some amazing plays Mitch made, some incredible throws. I always bring up Taylor Gabriel against Washington. Like you can, you can pinpoint the Mitch stuff and be like, this guy's really good. You can do the same thing with Ryan Pace. You can pinpoint, you know, the fourth, fifth round gems. You can, you can pinpoint if you, if you love the Mac trade. You, you, you've got all these positives. But if you just look at those and ignore the negatives, you're not getting the proper evaluation yeah. of the person. It's all about the big picture with with guys, and you know if if it's if it's there. I mean, if it, even casual fans have to look at the Bears and say that franchise is heading nowhere, you know, because like you said, the last three years have been have been very average. You know, the, uh, no playoffs here. Yeah, they made the playoffs last season, but you know we all know how they got in there. They backed into that, so you know this is just a franchise that has no direction, and and it all starts at the top. Whether it's George or or, or a president, you know someone has to be in there to make the hard decisions, and we have not really seen that. I mean, again, someone has to check pace at times. If he stays, and, and like I'm like you, I think the way everything's been talking about, it's 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 trending that way that he's staying. You know, there's there's this other stuff he does behind the scenes that's more on the business side of things with Hallis Hall, with the with the with the, uh, the 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 brand new stadium. I mean, that may have some effect on whether he stays or not. So, as far as the product on the football field, someone's got to check pace. It's got to happen if he stays. Yeah, and 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 look, and here's here's the most frustrating thing about the evaluation of Ryan Pace. Ryan Pace's job is to put together a football team that wins. That, like, that's the core. That's it. Like, you just put in the job description. That's it. Put a roster on the field and, and a head coach that can win football games. That's his job. And I understand what he inherited was a mess. And he literally kept five people off the previous roster. And two of them were special teamers. Like, he, he had basically nothing. And even when you look even further and go, all right, well, what about all the guys he let go? How did they do after they left? Like Brandon Marshall had one great season with the Jets. Martellus Bennett was a little productive with the Patriots. Like they had a short stint of just like a year of being productive. Everyone else that he let go for the most part, and maybe I'm forgetting a guy or two, awful. They did nothing the rest of their NFL careers. So Pace inherited nothing. So you got to give him a little bit of a break the first couple seasons while he was trying to put together a, a fresh roster. But the bottom line is he's been here seven seasons, one winning season. 
Like, that's it. That's the evaluation. The man brought one winning season to Chicago in seven seasons. That's the evaluation. I don't care if Larry Borum turns out to be the best fifth round pick ever. I don't care if he got two tackles and Justin Fields in one draft. I can hear all the positives about Ryan Pace, but the bottom line is he isn't winning enough football games. It's a results-based business. His results are not good enough. Yeah. All right. Now let's, let's, let's get off pace and Nagy here. Let's, let's move on to the offense. I want to do offensive line with you, but let's start with Justin Fields because I haven't really had a chance to talk to you most of the season kind of about the specifics of Fields. We know how bad he was early. We've seen some flashes here or there. I, it does seem like there has been improvement throughout the year. Where are you with Fields You know, prior to the season compared to now? Are you still just as positive? Do you have more concerns? Is it trending in the right direction for you? Where, where are you with Justin Fields? Yeah, I mean, I think I think he's been getting better as the year went on. Uh, I think that's all you ask out of a rookie. You know, the thing with Justin Herbert last year, it really skewed the expectations from fans. You know, people expect the rookie to come in and be just, you know, gangbusters, and that's just not usually what happens. Most rookies struggle. Trevor Lawrence is struggling. Zach Wilson is struggling. You know, Mac Jones ha- has a perfect situation for him to thrive in. And, you know, he's, he's efficient, but he's nothing really special. You know, and I think he is going to be a pretty good quarterback, but rookie struggle. That's what happens. And I see Justin Fields and 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 I was kind of I was OK with them not starting him immediately. I didn't like the process. They went about it. I thought he should have had a lot more reps with the ones. I thought he should have had a chance to at least earn the job. Um, I didn't think he would beat out Dalton just because it comes down to a lot of it is can he protect himself in the pass pro if he doesn't know where the blitz is coming from or, or his, 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 his hot reads, you know, he has to understand how to set the, the pass pro up. And, you know, until he understand that fully, I could see the bears wanting to wait to get, hit him out there. They had to play him a little bit earlier than they, than they wanted to. And we kind of saw in the Browns game, I think it took nine sacks that week. Um, at least four or five of them were, were his, were his sacks. They were on him. Um, but, but his recognition of the blitz got better as the year went on. He improved. He has the big arm. He wants to take chances. He wants to, you know, he wants to keep things alive in the pocket. Uh, we saw him get more decisive in his runs. I listen to, I read some of the analysts out there and you could just tell they have biases. They just, they want him to fail for whatever reason, because I don't know how you can look at the film and watch him do what he's done in this putrid Matt Nagy offense, the hook curls, the stagnant routes. And you watch him have, have, not the same success as you want him, but it's because of the offense around him, but there's growth there. Anyone that says he's not growing, they're just trying to hate on him because of their preconceived notions about Justin Fields. Yeah. I, I, I do think there's, there's a lot to that. Or if it's not preconceived notions, it's, it's box score analysts Mm -hmm. who look at the numbers and go, eh, he had another, another crappy game and didn't actually watch the game at all or see any, anything, you know, happening. You know, you can't evaluate rookie quarterbacks that way. You can't evaluate any quarterbacks that way, but you certainly can't with, with rookie quarterbacks. Me with fields is the elite arm talent where even as a rookie, you know, if you want to, you know, big time throws, big time throw percentage fields, isn't just the best rookie fields is like top five, six in the NFL. In that, you know, all, all, all the quarterbacks, all the great quarterbacks, Rodgers, Mahomes, all, 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 Brady, all these talented quarterbacks, his skill with his arm, when it, when it shines, it's just as good as any of them already as a rookie. And we know the kind of athleticism that, and, and what he can do with his legs. When you have the, that two attributes, as lethal as they are, as long as the rest of the quarterbacking comes along, 
it's one of those things. And I'm not saying he's going to be the best quarterback in the league or maybe even top three or top five, but to not have a capable quarterback who can win you games. I almost find it as an impossibility as long as his pocket awareness is getting better. The sack percentages have been steadily dropping through the year. You know, the blitz recognition, as you said, has been getting steadily better throughout the year. His decisiveness and just, you know, making a read and letting it rip is getting better throughout the year. So as long as the quarterbacking comes with it, I always remember, I forget the, the Packers player um, at the start of the 2019 season who said, we just let Mitch play quarterback and we knew he basically he'd fail, right? With Justin Fields, as long as he can just play quarterback and figure that out, his elite athletic traits and his arm traits are going to carry him into becoming a quality quarterback in my eyes. That's how I see. I see. I see the. I see the traits there. You know. I just. I, I, he. He has some issues. He has to hold on to the ball better. You know. He. I think he still leads the league in fumbles, even though he hasn't played in a couple of weeks. You know, when he slides, he has to get his. You know, get his head down, or he's going to get. You know, really hurt at some point. You know. Uh, the but the pocket awareness is growing. You know, he, he's a guy. I, I could just see him in the offseason, just just living in the film room. You know, really diagnosing what he did, because that's the kind of guy that we've seen here in Chicago so far. And from what I understand, that's how the same guy he was in Ohio State. You know, he, he really wants to learn from his mistakes. He puts the time in, the work in. And uh, I'm excited for next season to see him in a, in a competent offense. All right. So speaking of competent offense, you can't have a competent offense without a competent offensive line. So let's, let's jump into the offensive line here. Let's say Ryan Pace is fired and George McCaskey makes a, you know, unique decision and hires Lester Wilfong as the next oh. GM. And you've got to evaluate this offensive line. What pieces right now do you want to move forward with? You know, I, I think I like the young core they have now. You know, I think there's some pieces there with Borum, uh, with Jenkins. You know, Borum was a fifth-round pick, and I thought he's, I think he's playing pretty good right now on the right side. As far as where you leave them long-term, I mean, that's, that's up to the coaching staff. But we've talked about it before. Whatever they decide let these kids just stay there. I mean, like stop flip-flopping guys. I think Tevin Jenkins has the skill set to be a left tackle. Sure. He could be a, a right tackle guy, but you know, if, if the decision has been made, it's going to be Jenkins and Bourne moving forward. I'm fine with that. I think James Daniels, if the money's right, I think you want to bring him back. Cause he's still only what 23, 24 years old. He's still one of the, you know, he's very, he, he came in the league as at as, as, as 20. He's very young, you know? So if the money's right, bring him back, maybe let him compete at center. I think Sam Mustafer is a nice piece going forward as far as depth goes, but you can't count on Sam Mustafer as your starting center right now. You know, I, I know there's some, he has a lot of supporters out there, but I mean, the, the tape, you watch him. I mean, certain players, and again, a lot of centers in the league struggle with, with the really big bull rushes, you know, but he has no anchor at all. He needs to get stronger and he can, you know, another big offseason, he may get stronger, but you can't count on him as your center. I was the same way last year. I liked him as, as a piece, but why not bring a guy in to compete with him? If he beats him out, fine. He has the job. There you go. Cody White here, rough season this year. I'm not sure what happened to him. You know, maybe there's an injury that, you know, it's, it's, it's being hidden, you know, but I think, you know, his track record has been pretty good. But for whatever reason, this year has just been a struggle. Maybe it's having a lot of pieces moving around him. You know, who knows what it is. But I think of those of the starting unit now, if they all come back, I'd be fine with it, but you got to have more competition. It's all about competition on the O-line. Yeah, and so you're saying you'd be kind of fine if they brought this core back. And to me, I don't think you can move forward with Mustafer. And I'll be honest, I don't think you can move forward with him as a starter or a backup. And let me explain. 
same issues with you as a starter. I understand he, he needs strength. Sometimes you just, you know, Herrera's Grasso, I thought was kind of the same thing. Yeah. Like, you know, he needed strength. He was just, he, he had no anchor. He was getting bowled into the backfield on runs. He was getting bowled into the backfield. Um, you know, same kind of thing. And he never could build the strength. I know he bounced around. He was on the Niners a couple of years ago. I don't even know if he's still in the league, but, but, you know, same, same kind of thing. Kind of, kind of similar issue. there. both really smart, know the center position. Well, but I don't think Mustafa is a starting center in this league. And my issue with backup centers is I think they're for the most part, they're kind of useless. Like I need my backup interior offensive lineman to be able to play guard yep. and center. Or, you know, and, and for example, White Hair and Daniels, you know, if they're going to be your starting guards next year, let's just say that for this sake argument, both of them can play center in a pinch. You don't, you know, you, you need a backup center on the practice squad so you can have a, a second unit that has a center on it, you know, in practice. But with White Hair and Daniels having the ability to play center and slide over, and then you can move in, whether it's bars or a different kind of backup interior offensive lineman. I just, you know, if you have a backup center who can't play guard, I just don't think they have much of a place in this league. I agree. I mean, that's part of it in the offseason. He has to get stronger and he has to learn how to play guard because if he's going to stick on in the league, he's going to have to have some, some flexibility on, on the interior. You know, I, I like him. I think, I, I think he's, a, he's a really he, – he, he's a try-hard guy. He's really smart. You know, he understands the, how, how to get things, you know, uh, set and pass pro. You know, that's – the leadership aspect is a, is a big part of it, you know, but like you said, if you're getting blown back on, on run plays on, on zone running plays where you're basically just stepping to the side and trying to get in the way he's getting blown back on those. That's a problem. Yeah, no, it's, it's a major problem. Um, and, and, you know, kind of moving a couple of the other positions here, you know, Jenkins, I don't want to spend too much time on because there's really just not much to evaluate at this point. I know that first game was awful. He's, he's been better, but, you know, it's, you know, he's in and out of the lineup. So we'll put him aside because, I you know, unless you think there's something to, to really jump on that you like so far, you can. Well, I mean, up. like, like as far as real quick on Jenkins, I mean, the one game he played start to finish. I mean, I graded that game. I had him over, at over uh, 90% that game. I mean, his improvement from the when he came in as a sub to the game he actually started and played the whole thing. His, his improvement was tangible. You could see it. I mean, his, his past sets, his, his hand usage, you could see that he, he took that first film and someone, whether it's him or one of the coaches, went over the specific things he made mistakes on because the next week they were not there. I mean, he had a really good game. That's why I was so excited to see him play here as the year went on. Of course, then, of course, you know, he got hurt with the shoulder. You know, he was still playing in special teams that week, so he wasn't hurt too bad then of course he had no injury designations all last week and Matt Nagy starts Jason Peters and I get you don't want to bench a veteran but this is a different situation with these Chicago Bears Jason Peters as great as he is as a future Hall of Famer he knows the business he knows it was time to get Jenkins out there I wanted to see I hope he plays this this last game I just I want to see Jenkins I want to see Borum I want to see those young guys out there all right, so let, let, let's move over and, and talk about Borum here because, you know, we do have enough tape to, to, to look at Borum. And, you know, I had my doubts on him, you know, looking at his college tape. Same. Um, you know, he's – I don't want to say he's proven me wrong because it's, it's early, but he certainly looks, looks the part so far, especially as a fifth-round pick. And I know a lot of people are penciling him in that this guy's, you know, 10-year tackle. You know, I, I think it's a, it's a little early to do that. Um, but, you know – Look, if Larry Borum becomes the Bears' swing tackle, that's a good pick. Yeah. And I think Bears fans need to keep that in mind. 
if you get a swing tackle for four years, or you can extend them for a couple of years after that, you got a, you know, four, six, seven year swing tackle out of the fifth round who can fill on the left and right side and not get your quarterback killed. That's still a quality selection. And I, and I know bears fans want them to start. And I get that. We want all our guys to be as good as possible, but you know, there's also still some people I, I see from time to time that think maybe Borum should still get moved inside. So after seeing, you know, you know, several games of tape here on Borum, where are you with him? I like Borum. I, in college, he, he was a mauler in college, but I think a lot of that was because he was just so massive. I think he was 375 in college. You know, he cut a bunch of weight here to get ready for the NFL. And I think by losing, you know, 40 pounds of, of mass, he lost some of his, his, his power at the point of attack. So he's another guy. He needs a big offseason. He needs to get stronger. Uh, we haven't seen him win with with power yet in the NFL, and he's still a big he's still a big wide body. So a lot of his his stuff in pass pro is because he's just you know he has such such broad shoulders. It takes a little a little longer for the guy to get around him, but he has good feet. He has good hands. As far as kicking inside the guard, yeah, I say I'll say this really quick. The feet is actually the most impressive thing. Yeah, because I didn't I didn't like what I saw in college, and it's. I like is it's a lot better than I expected. I, I think dropping the the what did he lose? He lost 40, 50 pounds. I think that maybe helped his quickness a little bit. And that's that's showing because on like I said, on tape, when I watched him and he's one of the guys I I don't watch everybody. I'm not like one of these these, these draft gurus. I watch a few guys that I want to see in college. He's one I did look at a little bit. And I was not impressed with his quickness at all. Uh, but he looks like a different player now, and I think that's because of the weight. As far as going inside the guard, it's a different position. You know, a lot of people say, Oh, just kick him inside, it's fine. But you know, things happen differently on the inside. He has to understand the stunts differently. You know, there's a different feel to the game. You know, things happen much quicker at guard. The guy's on top of you right now. When you're at tackle, things you have a little bit a bit of time. You, you tend to, to, to get in your pass set and you have a chance to, to react to what they're doing. If you're at guard, there isn't it. It's, it's immediate. You have to react right away when the guy's on top of you. So maybe he can do it, you know, but until the coaches see him actually inside, it's easy to say, oh, kick him inside, he'll be fine. But he may not be, you know, I think right now as a tackle, like you said, if, if he's a swing tackle for the next, you know, a bunch of years, great pick. If he can max out and be a guy that starts on the right side, even better. I think he has the skill set to do it, but it's still too early to say that he's definitely going to be your one of your guys long term. All right. And, uh, you know, I'm with you, Whitehair. It's been a rough season for him. He's obviously underperforming his contract right now. You know, that that's a tough evaluation, whether, you know, you want to move on from him or, or keep keep the high salary. I think for some stability, I think the, the most sense is to keep white hair another year. And, and like you said, maybe there's an injury or something going on that's that's hurting him. But on the other side with Daniels and, and I know the Bears have some other, you know, people that they might need to extend, you know, with, you know, the salary caps a little complicated. They're going to have some dead money that's added in there into that number that Bears fans think we can go out and, and go on a massive spending spree. There's going to be some room to add some pieces that I don't know where spending spree is the right spot, but Daniels in terms of that pool of money, you said, if the price is right, yeah, you know, what is the right play, price for, for Lester Wilfong? I mean, I don't think he's, he's coming back for 5 million. I think it's at least seven or eight. And I saw, you know, again, we brought him up earlier. Brad Spielberg, PFF, thinks he could be pushing 10 million a year. So what's what's what are you thinking for, for James Daniels? Yeah, I think if it's 10 million a year, I think it's a little too pricey. But again, you gotta let the market set itself. I think one thing Ryan Pace has done is a lot of times he 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 gets anxious and he kind of you know he gives guys money before he lets the kind of the market set itself we saw it with with, with Graham we saw it to an extent with Quinn you know he just kind of pays 
huge money to get the guys he wants. So I think with Daniels, you know, I think you should slow play it, you know, maybe let him, you know, go test his market a little bit, kind of see where he's at. But, you know, again, does Daniels want to stay in Chicago? Maybe he wants a fresh start. Who knows? You know, maybe he wants to go somewhere and be a center full time because that's what he was all in college. You know, so it's, it's, it's a two way street. Um, but but if it's seven, eight million, I think a lot of it comes down to the guarantee. Um, you know, one thing Ryan Pace has been good with his contracts. He always gives himself an out. You know, he makes sure it's 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 a couple years. But, uh, you know, the, the dead money's gone after two. So if that's the case with Daniels, it's seven, eight, you know, nine million. Um, he has an out after a year or two. I think that's worth bringing him back because, like we said, he's 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 24 years old. I mean, his best football, you know, could still be in front of him. And especially at that spot, a lot of guys on the interior, you know, they'll grow and, and they'll thrive as they get older with the knowledge of the game. So if that's the case with Daniels, I think he's a guy because of his age, because he understands, you know, the, the guys around him. I think you bring him back. All right. Now, uh, before I let you go, a couple more things. Let's let's switch over defense. I don't I don't want to go position by position. It's kind of more more general here because. I think anyone who watches this team knows that there's there's holes on the defensive side of this football. Now, yeah. that, not that they don't have quality players. Robert Quinn's getting the sack record. Obviously, you got Mac, you got you know Johnson, you got uh, Roquan. You've you've got talented players on the defensive side of the ball. It's not it's not like they're just this dearth of talent over there. But you don't have eleven talented <laughs> players on the defensive side of the ball. So you know when when you're Bears fans are kind of, you know, obviously looking forward here because there's not much to look at it at the present here. So, you know, you hear free agency and you hear Bears fans saying, oh, they should get Christian Kirk or they should get Michael Gallup or they should get Ryan Jensen or they should spend their second and third round pick on these prospects. And everyone's focused on the offensive side of the ball right now. And I get it because you want to build the talent around Justin Fields. I'm not saying that's the wrong approach, but when you look at the defensive side of the ball, I don't think this defense can be fixed in one season. You've got no. too many holes in too many places. You got, you know, you know obviously Jalen, I mean, Eddie Jackson's, you know, overpaid right now, but he's still, you know, a, a quality safety. Uh, you know, the rest of that secondary, I mean, Thomas Graham flash, but the rest of that secondary doesn't show a lot of talent. You don't have a guy next to Roquan at the linebacker position, the defensive tackles, the interior defensive line, you know, Akeem Hicks, most likely gone. Eddie Goldman has not been the Eddie Goldman that we saw before the pandemic. You know, there, there just not been a lot there. So if you were going to try and prioritize what they need to do defensively this offseason, what would you want them to focus on? I think for me, it's got to be cornerback. You got to find, I mean, if, if it's Thomas Graham Jr. And again, I want to see him play more. I want to see if the flashes he had a couple weeks ago is going to be able to something he can keep doing, you know, as the year closes out. And of course he plays what, like 10 snaps last week. It's just ridiculous. You know, let him play against the Vikings, you know, get him on tape a little bit. You know, I have my doubts that he's a long-term starter, but you know, he, he's a draft pick. He's his chance to do it. But you got to put some money into cornerback. You got to draft a cornerback. Yes, that's one of those spots where you can never have enough enough good guys. And right now the Bears, I mean, have one good guy, Jalen Johnson, and they have Builder, they have Shelley. You know, yeah, they're all draft picks, but none of them really panned out to a point. You know, so so add more. You know, get you know you have to get a, a veteran. Um, I, I don't want to see him spend huge money because you know the cap's going to be an issue. But they are having Hicks's money off the books. Um, they are getting possibly Goldman. You said his money could come off the books if there's if he retires or if he if if the Bears do cut him because I know there's a big cap savings there. And like you said, he hasn't been the same player, you know. So maybe the Bears decide, hey, let's move on from him and, and give that those reps to Tonga. 
Uh, so there should be some money to play with. But yeah, Tonga actually played more snaps than Bolden was. Yeah, I mean, it's, if you look at this day and age of the NFL, I don't think you can have more of your money of your cap allocated to defense. It's an offensive league. It has been for the last few years. You know, you have to have your offense built up. You can't ignore your defense. But if it's a passing league, you got to have guys that can cover. And right now you have Jalen Johnson and a bunch of who the hell are you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Before I let you go, uh, let, let's talk a little uh, bit on, on coaching candidates. Uh, assuming Matt Nagy's gone, assuming he can't save his job with a win against the Vikings, let's pray. But um, moving into the candidates position, um, let's start with this one. Are you intrigued at all? And I don't know if there's any legitimacy to this because it seems like it's more Raiders than Bears yeah. from the plugged in types. Is Jim Harbaugh have any intrigue for you as the Bears head coach? I, I would not be mad if he was the hire. He's not my top choice, but he's had success everywhere he's gone. And, and if you look at the landscape of college football, he was never going to win a, a title with Michigan. It's just not how things are set up. It's, you know, this, there's, there's two or three teams that are always good. And then the, the rest of those guys in college are kind of rotating. So, you know, he was good with the 49ers. He's had success everywhere he's been. You know, my question with him is who he brings in as coordinators and who he's going to bring in to, to boost up Justin Fields to the next level. You know, he's not my top choice, but, but, you know, I think it's, it's going to be kind of cool because, you know, he's kind of a, it's kind of a prick at times and I'm okay with my head coach being that way. You know, I don't want to, uh, uh, if he's, if he's not always happy to go lucky, I'm okay with it. If he's a bit prickly, I'm okay with it. If he fights with the GM, I'm okay with it because at the end of the day, if you can win, I don't really care what you do. Yeah. I mean, look, Harbaugh definitely seems to wear out as welcome. He's, yeah. he's one of those personalities. He does want a lot of power. You know, if, if, if Ryan Pace stays and brings in Jim Harbaugh, like the, that, that may be more of a marriage at the GM position than, than Ryan Pace would necessarily want. He'd want to keep his job. I think he'd want yeah. to compromise. But, um, you know, the one thing I'll say about Harbaugh, and I brought this up a little bit, and I understand he's, he's been successful and he made the college football playoff this year. Yeah, that may have been a little bit more due to Ohio State being down, but we don't need to get into that. But here's what I will say about Jim Harbaugh. The Matt Nagy... The, the anti-Matt Nagy crop. And I will say, not just the, at this point where things have kind of, the wheels have fallen off, but the anti-Matt Nagy crowd that was like as early as like 2019, like Matt Nagy should go basically. Everyone says basically the same thing, that Vic Fangio and that defense propped him up. And that's the only reason he had any success. The one thing I'll say about those Niners teams is now, he made huge strides with Alex Smith, who went from a dud to a quality NFL quarterback. And he did great things with Colin Kaepernick. I'm not saying he can't evaluate and, and work with quarterbacks. It's clear that he can. His offenses, I think people have this idea that Jim Harbaugh has had dynamic offenses in San Francisco. That's not the case. Yeah. They were kind of league average. Vic Fangio's defenses in San Francisco under Jim Harbaugh were elite. They were top three, four, five every year. And those teams were kind of carried by defense. So if I threw out there that Jim Harbaugh's NFL success may have been linked to Vic Fangio, what would your response be? Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's, you know, if you look, look at Vic's track record, I mean, he's always been that guy and we saw it in Chicago and you're right. Those, those defenses in San Fran, he had, you know, he had really good linebacker play. Uh, he, he had, he had a great front seven and the stuff in the back end, you know, that's what Vic's always does. He has a lot of stuff going on in the back and with the, with the uh, 
his ability to disguise coverages. So I agree with that. I mean, that's, that's part of it. So again, if Harbaugh comes in, you know, who's his staff? I think that's what he'll have to sell the bears on if he comes in. But, but you mentioned the, the marriage between pace and Harbaugh. I don't see those two guys getting along very good. If that yeah. I, I don't think they would either. And, and, and last thing on Harbaugh, I'll say this because I know if Jim Harbaugh is hired and the Broncos make a coaching change, there will be bears fans clamoring oh, for yeah. a Vic Fangio reunion. I, I know you don't know Vic personally. It's not like you can get in his head. But the one thing I sit there and say is Vic Fangio interviewed for the head coaching position when Matt Nagy was, was hired, didn't get it, decided to stay on as a coordinator, got, finally got a head coaching gig. Could you see Vic coming back to Chicago in that same capacity ever never being the head coach? I, there, I, every coach has an ego. I just yeah. I don't – I personally, like I said, I don't know Vic either. I can't see Vic coming back to Chicago in the same capacity. I just can't. He does have that prickly personality, which is a reason why a lot of fans like him. But I think that, like you said, they all have an ego to some point. I'm with you. I can't see him returning to Chicago. Um, I'm not saying that's like, you know, he, he would be, you know, uh, his tail between his legs coming back home to, to do a job. But but I just think that at some point he wants to be his own man and, you know, coming back and doing that again, I think he'd be like, yeah, I've been there, done that. You know, there's no point in doing it again. But, you know, if, if, if that's the case, if that's a uh, – if, if Harbaugh's looking for a uh, for a big fan, your disciple, maybe again, like we've seen the Bears do in the past, they'll say, "Hey, whoever's hired, you have to keep Sean Desai as your DC," because we've seen the Bears do that kind of crap, you know, several years. So <laughs> that may happen again. Who knows? All right. Um, so let let's put big name candidates aside. Harbaugh, you know, I, I know Albert Breer's been pushing, you know, Sean Payton. Maybe there's some legs there. Let, let's put those aside. If the Bears go, you know, a non-big name now you can you can go retread you can bring up leslie frazier todd bowles that's fine what type what coaches would you be interested is is there a couple candidates whether they're defensive or offensive oriented I, it doesn't matter to me that you'd sit there and go i want the bears to to look at you know these two or three particular head coaching candidates you know i, li- I like leftwich i like bowles you know i think leftwich is destined to be in, in jacksonville um, I like Hackett with Green Bay. You know, for me, it's like you got to look at who has had success, you know, in, in their current gig. And whether he's a Packer or not, I think Hackett's a guy that he's kind of quirky, you know, but I think he has the, the right personality to be a head coach at some point. The problem is with him is, like I said, he is a little quirky. I've read some stuff about him. I've seen him talk a few times and, you know, but but the players love him. You know, they, they all rave about him. Aaron Rodgers raves about him. But with a guy like him, is like, well, how much is that Aaron Rodgers being so great? The same with Leftwich. How much is Tom Brady being great helping Leftwich out? So it's hard to say because there are so many variables. You know, at the, at the end of the day, get the best leader. Uh, if, if you think it's a guy in defense, fine. You know, but again, what's your plan for Justin Fields? You know, that, that's, that's going to sell the Bears, whoever's making the call. That's going to sell the Bears on their hire is when you come in, what's your plan to get Justin Fields to the next level to be the franchise quarterback we drafted him to be. And if you can't sell the bears on that, you're not going to get the gig. Yeah. And you know, one guy I've been selling myself on a lot lately is Todd Bowles. Uh, you know, he's, he's a good leader. I think the situation in the jets really was not, not his fault. Um, and, and I think he's the type of guy who would, you know, Matt, you know, we could, you know, bears could spend offensively and he can maximize, uh, you know, less talent defensively and, and, and build them up to at least a league average or, you know, above average unit. 
my issue with Bowles, and you kind of brought it up just there, you know, what are you going to do with Justin Fields? That's not your side of the ball. That's fine. What's your vision for Justin Fields? Who's the guy that you're going to bring in to, to harness him and, and turn him into a, an elite quarterback? And I don't know what that answer is with Todd Bowles. So, you know, that's, that's going to be the big question, I think, you know, for any head coaching candidate, you know, if it's Ryan Pace or a new president or GM or whoever's talking to him, what, you know, the first question is, what's your vision for Justin Fields and who's the guy who's going to, you know, bring him to that next level? I mean, Todd Bowles has been around the league a long time. I mean, he has some, a lot of friends. I mean, you know, one of his close friends is a, is noted offensive guru, Matt Nagy. So maybe he, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that, that, that would be uh that would be, that would be a, a nightmare scenario. Ryan Pace retained and Matt Nagy demoted the offensive coordinator. <laughs> Run it back with Todd Bowles. There you go. Welcome to the Bears. Yeah. <laughs> all right. There he is, Lester Wilfong, the big boss man at Windy City Gridiron. And he's all over the podcast channel with Baron Balance with, with JB. And, and uh, you know, you, you love everything Lester does. Uh, we appreciate everything he does. Lester, thanks so much for jumping on. Anytime, Bill. All right. There he is, Lester Wilfong, Windy City Gridiron. Good conversation there with Lester. Covered a lot of different topics. And I can't really disagree with anything he has to say, um, you know, and, and look, I, and I'll just say this again. I know we talked about it a little bit at the top and, and with Lester there, this Ryan Pace situation is, is just very bizarre to me. And I know him and George have a very good working relationship. I would guess at this point, they would probably consider themselves friends and it's not easy to fire friends, but the bottom line, and I said it there with Lester, one winning season in seven years, you just can't retain that level of success. And I don't care if he traded for Khalil Mack and found Justin Fields and, you know, Larry Borum and, and, and Jordan Howard and Adrian Amos and you know, Eddie Jackson and then Tariq Cohen. Like, I understand we can find all the, you know, the, the guys he found in the draft and Robert Quinn, as bad as the first year was, the second year with him has been amazing. And, and Allen Robinson, as much as this last year has been bad, he was a great pick. You know, there's been a lot of positives that Ryan Pace has done. And I'm not saying that those don't exist, but when you, the body of work, Ryan Pace was brought in to Britain to make the Chicago bears a winning football team. And he has failed one winning season in seven years is failure. And that, that's it. That's the bottom line. And that's why Pace needs to go. And, you know, it doesn't look like that's happening right now. We'll see. George is very tight lipped. So it is, it is possible that George has made an evaluation that's negative on Ryan Pace and is going to make that move, you know, after the regular season concludes. But just all I'm saying is right now, the, the, the rumors, the, the, the smoke, the circles, the NFL circles, they're not hearing that. So we will see what happens next week. You know, I, I think Nagy's out. I think that's, I don't think a three game winning streak in a lost season is going to solve anything for Matt Nagy, but, but Ryan Pace looks like, uh, looks like he may be staying. So as for this game this week, you know, I'm with Lester. Let's play Thomas Graham. Let's make sure Jenkins is out there. Let's, let's get these guys some reps. I know that's not really how NFL teams think, but you know, we don't need to see Jason Peters at Minnesota in week 18. And I love Jason Peters and I'm surprised how good he's done. He's done a great job. But there's just, you know, you need to play rookies. You need to get them out there, especially if Ryan Pace is keeping his job. You know he needs tape. You know, he wants as much tape to evaluate his roster going into next season. So I just, you know, uh, if, if Matt Nagy has indeed, as Boomer Esiason said earlier this week, that Matt Nagy has been informed that he's out. If that's the case, um, 
then it's time for Ryan Pace to step in and say, you know, you could be the head coach on the sidelines, but you're not making these decisions. You're putting these guys in the lineup. So we will see what happens. I do think the Bears are actually going to win this game against Minnesota. I think Mike Zimmer's probably out. I think the Vikings, you know, they got decisions to make with Kirk Cousins. I think things have kind of, you know, Sean Mannion might be playing. I think things have kind of fallen apart there for Minnesota. So I think the Bears are going to win this game. I think they're going to finish the year 7-10. and 10. Um, And, you know, we'll make an evaluation uh, next week when uh, we see what the Bears and George McCaskey plan to do for the 2022 season. So that's going to do it for Bears Banter. We'll talk to you next week. Bear it out, everybody. Bear it out.